everybody. You are listening to Hotter Than Health, the podcast. This is a podcast focusing on fitness, nutrition, and an overall healthy lifestyle. My name is Eliza Gellman, and I am so happy to have you here with me for today's episode. listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. It is Tuesday, so that means this is the Q&A solo episode. The Tuesday episodes are going to be shorter, a little shorter than the Thursday episodes. You know that Thursdays are now going to be dedicated towards interviews with thought leaders. It's going to be a little more provocative, a little bit more in depth, and we're just going to have more conversations. And you also know that throughout the Tuesday episodes, we're always going to start with the review of the week. And like I say, a million times every single episode, reviews truly help to push the podcast to more people. So if you are searching on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere like that for a podcast and you look in the health and wellness or health and fitness arena, then, or the health and fitness genre, you're going to be prompted to listen to podcasts that have a little bit more, uh, reviews and a little more content. So the more interaction we get with the reviews, it's super, super helpful. So wanted to shout out one of the reviews from the week. This is from Emily Ann Taylor. I love listening to Eliza because she never stops herself from asking the hard questions. Whether those questions are for herself or directed at a guest on the podcast, she always seems to ask the question that I am wondering. So much information here and so easy to implement into your life. I love the way the podcasts recently have involved someone's personal story. We can all learn something from taking the time to listen to each other's stories. Hell yeah, Emily Ann Taylor. Thank you for that review and for your uh, for your chance to be shout it out as the review of the week. All you have to do is go onto your phone, swipe down or wherever you find podcasts, search on the podcast app, search Hotter Than Health, scroll all the way down and rate us five stars and write a review. It is a simple way to support the podcast and it is so unbelievably seen, heard. I check in on the reviews all the time and they made me super happy. So thank you guys in advance and thank you so much for those of you who have written reviews throughout the past week. So getting into today's episode, today is going to be a Q&A. You know, last week we focused on my entire story with colonics, the adventure of that, and I really think it was beneficial. I actually got a ton of feedback. I was surprised at that. ton of feedback from colonics going into why we should or should not. If you're interested in colonic hydrotherapy, if you've heard different things on it, I do present a couple of different viewpoints, but I also just kind of go into my entire experience having a colonic, and I kind of walk you through through the nitty gritty. I walk you through everything from initial consult call to the end result and how I felt afterwards after three of them. Just to give you all a little feedback, I did get back from Cartagena, Colombia last week and I had a colonic after that. Highly recommend. So if you're going to Mexico, if you're going anywhere where there's maybe something funky in the water, there's nothing better than flushing out your stuff with a colonic when you come home because not only are you eating different things you're eating different foods but you're also having different water ice drinks you know I was just like give me dysentery I don't care just I will flush it out when we get home right earlier today I asked on Instagram and if you don't follow on Instagram my handle is at Eliza G underscore wellness and if you would be so kind as to also follow the podcast we're gonna start doing more posts there getting a little bit more brand savvy so it'll be a little bit more recognizable and a little easier to pitch to networks 
in the future. So if you are not already following at Hotter Than Health podcast on Instagram, then go ahead, make sure you are doing that. Um, We're going to do a lot of those Q&A boxes on there and I'll aggregate. And so if you find a question or you have a question, but you haven't uh, asked me today, then no worries. We're going to be doing this weekly. So if it's not a Tuesday, if there's not a question box up on my Instagram, make sure you still send me a DM, send me a message. I'm super active on it. It's me, obviously. That's like not a huge following, but I mean, it's like... (laughs) it's easy for one person to handle type of situation. So just know that I am always reading those DMs and I'm very interactive with the DMs. And also full disclosure, I'm recording this at 6.49 p.m. on Monday evening. It has been a long day, lots of random calls and just in the nature of all things that are honest. If you've heard the podcast before, you know that Jack, the dog, J-A-C, no K there, Uh, Jack the dog is becoming more and more senile each week. Sweet love of my life. He's a half basset hound, half black lab mix. So he's very low to the ground, bristly, sweet, loving, but he does have long fingernails and long toenails. So he likes to tap dance around. I do my best to edit it out, but sometimes, actually always, I find that, oh, it's happening right now. If you can hear that in the background. I can basically guarantee you that anytime I start speaking, he likes to perform. So if you hear that in the background, just know I'm fully aware and it is more worth it to me to put out a podcast than to worry about a tap dancing dog in the back. If you'd like to see, send me a DM. I will send you a video of Jack tap dancing. He's not right, buddy. All right, let's get into today's questions. I really liked some of these. We got a number of them, but I'm only going to, I narrowed it down to four that I thought were pretty interesting. So These will be quick. I want to make sure that on this podcast, you always have, oh, Jesus, you hear this. I'm going to see if he stops. Does he stop? I'm probably going to start as soon as I start talking again. But I wanted to make sure that you guys left the podcast having some sort of measurable takeaways, having some sort of, you know, something you can write down, something tangible, something you can implement right away. All right, so we'll get into that on this episode. Let's get going with the questions. All right, so as we are getting into warmer months, we're getting into a change of seasons here. I got a question that said, is it more beneficial to buy local or to buy organic? I loved this question because we don't really think about it much. Usually we just think organic. It's a no-brainer, of course. We want to buy organic and local seems local seems like, okay, You have to go to a farm, milk a cow, or get an egg straight from a chicken's ass, because clearly that's how eggs are laid, asses. But it's not like that. It's We've come a long way, you guys. So it is a lot easier to get farm-raised local and potentially organic ingredients. So Here's here's what I found about some of that information. So what I thought was super, super interesting that I don't think a lot of people realize is that when you are buying organic, it has a label on it. That company has paid for a label. So you're thinking Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or the more expensive aisle in or more expensive section of the produce aisle. We want to remember that it's not always a guaranteed fact that, hey, this is going to be organic. Yeah, they slapped a label on that thing. But think about how many times people have slapped a label on saying things and that's bullshit. You look at social media, everyone's like, I am this, this, this. But I mean, it's all fraudulent. I, I'm, I'm telling you, 
there are so many <laughs> there are so many products out there that claim to be one thing and that are actually bullshit. So it may say health on the front, but actually have only corn, GMO soy, and oil in it. You know, it's it's not always going to be a health food just because it says it. So this is where we have to go in and do a little bit of our own research, use deductive reasoning and say, okay, am I being a fool? Am I just believing everything that's being put in front of me? Right? So not, that's not always the case. There are some brands that we can definitely rely on <clears throat> or organics. Um, and there are definitely some brands that we can rely on and some different types of farms that we can rely on. But going into this, I think that as we are getting into warmer seasons, we want to think about how we can start to shop local. So think about it like this. Um, I will say that local is not always organic, but I heard this term earlier today while I was doing some research on this question. I heard a term called face certification and I loved this. So like we talked just a second ago about lots of different companies slapping a certification, certified organic, certified non-GMO, whatever. So we see all these certifications slapped on everything and there are a number of reasons why local farmers just don't do this. It's because one, in a lot of rural areas, they're not educated on how to do this. Two, it can be very expensive to put an organic label on things. That's why a lot of wine companies don't do it, but they actually have organic practices. So we can't just rely on something saying it's organic to actually be organic and vice versa. So what I loved was instead of just saying like, a non-GMO certification or an organic certification, a lot of these farmers are saying, what about face certification? A huge part of understanding and having a relationship with our food that is coming from a whole source that is coming from right down the street. So it has a lower carbon footprint. It is better for the environment and it it's typically contains less plastic in it or it has less packaging. It has a more of a most likely has a better type of soil because it's not being mass produced. So if you actually get to know these farmers, it does take a little bit more research. So if you're in a place like New York or in a big city, maybe you're in Chicago or something like that, you are going to have to do your due diligence and look up some places like, hey, you know, maybe there's a trade where you can get local veggies or dairy or whatever you get local, local meat, um, maybe you can get that delivered to your place from a farm that's right outside your city. It doesn't always have to be just in your neighborhood. It can be any it can be anywhere fairly local, but right now this is the time of year where there are tons of farmers markets. This is the time to start to shake some hands and understand that these local farmers, they believe in faith and a lot of the times they do have sustainable and organic farming cultures. But on the other end of the spectrum, there are a lot of farmers who just, they practice conventional farming methods because that is what our state and our government preaches. So our states and our governments typically are promoting and preaching conventional farming. And I'm not saying that, I'm just saying that I don't think that, it doesn't seem that the governments and the states are quite up to they either haven't been educated or they haven't created this as much of a priority to educate farmers on how to have certification with everything we know and everything we don't know. I just think that that's, it doesn't surprise me at all. So it's kind of our job to make sure that we are supporting farmers that we know are actually doing a good job of staying organic. And the way we find that out, honestly, this is going to be a tougher question or a tougher answer for me to say, because it's not like a science-based answer, but truly the way that we want to 
really use deductive reasoning on who should we be supporting, we got to talk to people. We have to ask questions. So when we get to these farmers, hey, do you know how you guys are farming these? Are these monocrop? Do you guys use pesticides? And if these farmers aren't able to answer those questions, then you know, if you are doing organic farming practices, these farmers are going to know it. So if it's conventional farming and it's kind of just like chop, 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 then then maybe, maybe chances are you might not return to that local farmer, unfortunately. So I would say do your research. Uh, a lot of different restaurants and a lot of different coffee shops, a lot of different small shops and local grocers will sell local eggs. You can see it. It might be like a dollar more, but I highly recommend it. It is way, it is your dollar much better spent. Vote with your dollar for this one. If I were to say like I had to pick and choose one thing, I would definitely say I would ch- choose local just because I do feel like if I put forth, if we put forth 5% more of the effort by doing a quick Google search, we can see on people's websites like, hey, we can't afford certifications, but we do use all organic farming practices. There are so many, especially in Charleston, and I know Charlotte does it as well. So wherever you are, do your due diligence and think, okay, Google local farm trade or local farm delivery and you can get a dozen eggs and you can get a bunch of fresh lettuces and you can get whatever seasonal food. I think that that would be the best way to go. And I just also, in light of, I don't know, the world, I just kind of don't trust any label. I don't trust anything. So I would say like make as much food as you can at home and buy less packaged shit and buy local when you can. And often, and not only because you, it's better for your health, but it's also better for the environment because it has a lower transportation rate. So you're having lower carbon emissions and you're also having uh, less plastic, less containers, less packaging and less marketing. So it's overall just a small, a slightly more sustainable practice. And you're also supporting local farmers who are being brought out by, by big agro and mass consumership and like whole foods and, and different grocers. So support local when you can. A lot of these farmers are, they're doing their best to keep up with the fast pace of agriculture right now. And a lot of the times they're either being bought out or they're being run out or they're having to be forced to practice farming in different ways just to keep the lights on. So have a conversation, go to a farmer's market. Like if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask and have a conversation with someone. We shouldn't be scared to talk to people just because of what's going on in the world. Like that's crazy. Let's just fucking have a real conversation. Give it a Google. Open your eyes, people. And we need to make sure that we're supporting local where we can and asking the right questions. So don't be lazy about it. Speaking of organic, this show would not be possible without the support of Aura Organics. Aura Organics is a organic third-party tested supplement company. They are one of my favorite companies to work with. I am thrilled about them. I recently have been making a mango, banana, spinach, kale, spirulina, water, ice, and blueberry smoothie with a little flax, sometimes a blender bomb if I can, and I use a little bit of their vanilla protein. And I love it because it's heavy metal tested. I lift a lot. I've been lifting a lot of weights lately. I have been moving around, needing to stay full. So I have some healthy fats. I have some healthy protein in there. Um, It's third party tested. It is not just some random soy protein that comes off of the shelf. This is actually one of the greatest 
one of the greatest proteins that I have seen out there. And I know that because it is third-party tested. It is rare to find a supplement company that is doing third-party testing because it's expensive and it takes time, but these people, they know what's up. So Aura Organics, make sure you try out their vanilla or chocolate protein powder. Those are always in my house. Um, My boyfriend actually just tried the matcha pre-workout. He said he really enjoyed it. Um, We've also tried the digestive enzymes. I definitely recommend those to a lot of my clients. They do come in a powder form, so you can put it in water before a meal. You can put it in tea, maybe during a meal if you're doing something hot, but highly recommend just getting a little vial of it, bringing it out to meals if you feel like you suffer with digestion issues. And I... Girl, girl, it is fantastic. So make sure you check out Aura Organics and use the code Eliza G15 for 15% off at checkout. Again, it's Aura O R A Organics for Eliza G15 for 15% off at checkout. All right, let's get to the next question. So the next question someone asked, and I really liked this one because it was super straight to the point, and I like this. So the question was, what are my top favorite foods to meal prep? for the week. So if I can only select two or three or a handful of foods to have in my fridge, it's a super busy week and it doesn't really make sense for me to prep every single meal for the week. But maybe you just want to make sure that, you know, dinners or lunches are prepped. Maybe you work from home and you find yourself like mindlessly eating. So you're not getting a full nourishing meal. You're not getting a ton of fiber. Um, What I would say is I would steam. Actually, I would chop up and massage a shit ton of kale. I would go to the store take the kale leaves off of the vein of the kale. I would chop it up really small and then I would pour like two tablespoons of fresh organic olive, extra virgin olive oil. I would do some lemon and I would do maybe some nutritional yeast or have some avocado in there and maybe some red onion and I would mix it all up. Ooh, and some apple cider vinegar and maybe some mustard. Or you could make that dressing on the side so that it doesn't get wilty but I would get a whole bunch of kale chop it up put it in a giant glass bowl or metal bowl oh my god I fucking love metal bowls they're the best they isn't there something about a metal bowl mm. if anybody wants to sponsor this podcast and send me metal bowls then I will absolutely do a sound bath for you so I would do that I would chop up a bunch of kale and if you want it to be a little easier to digest use your hands wash your hands shove them in there and massage the fuck out of that kale for and I'm not exaggerating and I'm not saying like 20 or so seconds I'm saying a full-on minute 60 seconds massage 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 beat the hell out of it and then it will (laughs) it reminds me of a bridesmaid quote just like we should lube her up and beat the shit out of her right anyways Oh, there goes Jack. I just stimulated him by talking about beating the shit out of lettuce. Um, I would definitely go ahead and massage a ton of kale and have that little dressing on the side. My favorite dressing is a little bit of apple cider vinegar, a little bit of lemon, a little bit of maybe pepper and some extra virgin olive oil, just a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. And then you can dress it up with whatever fresh veggies are quick to chop, cucumber, avocado, tomato, whatever. Uh, So that would be my number one because you can put it as a base to so many different things or just as a side, side salad, nice roughage there. And then, and make sure you chew it really well or else you will see it later. If you know what I mean, morning conference call. Um, My second thing that I would have prepped is a big fat bowl of organic quinoa. And it doesn't matter if it's like white, tri-colored, whatever. I would just make sure that it is puffy and nice. So my trick to quinoa is, and I... I make kind of perfect quinoa. It's always fluffy. It's never undercooked. I don't know how I'm so good at it, but I also don't know 
how to be humble. So I'm just really great at cooking quinoa. So the quinoa is going to be two parts water, one part quinoa, but I would double that. I would like do two cups of dry quinoa, four cups of water, let that shit come to a roaring boil and then let it simmer for on on the lowest heat covered for mm, 10 minutes. No more. As soon as 10 minutes hits, go ahead, unless your stove gets super fucking hot. I don't know, but um, I would let it sit and then take it off the stove, do a bunch of seasoning. So if you want to do a little paprika, if you want to do a little salt pepper, keep it simple. If you want to do some seasoning, some fajita seasoning, or I would just keep it super simple so that you can dress it up. Just like a little bit of pepper, maybe some cumin to give it a little beef type of taste or, uh, you know, or more of a smoky type of taste. I like to do a little paprika and that is my quinoa and I will put it I can do it hot. I can do it cold. I can mix it cold with that kale salad and you can just do anything with it. And the next thing that I would say I would prep are honestly, this is, this is something that I haven't had to do recently because I've been able to make them at my house. But something that I recommend to do to for clients all the time is I would prepack smoothie bags and I would put frozen banana, frozen blueberries, frozen mango and greens all in a big bag. Baggy, you can get those um, silicone resealable, reusable bags so that you're not just going through a bunch of plastic. I would do that. And that way you have the exact portion that you need. So you're not fumbling around. Your hands are all cold. You don't need to do that. You're not sick and tired of like breaking apart all the chunks of mango. And then you're like, oh, I've been checking, like breaking up all this fruit. Now my hands are so cold. I don't know what to do. Uh, like, no, you just shut up. And you can shove that into a blender, top it off with some Oro Organics at Eliza G for, or at Eliza G 15. Little Oro Organics, I like to use some spirulina or some of those energy bits from the woman, Catherine, that we had on for energy bits. You can look back at that episode. But that is also one thing I would say you can do it for lunch. You can do it for breakfast. Um, so whatever works, I would prep three or four smoothie bags just to make sure those are three or four meals. And the great thing about that is if you find yourself not, if you haven't finished those throughout the week, it's not like they're going to go bad there in the freezer, right? So those are two, those are three things is the big, massive chopped massaged kale salad it, and then a big bowl of quinoa. And that way you're getting a ton of fiber throughout the day. Um, it's not just a bunch of simple carbohydrates. You're getting healthy carbs. You're getting whole food, plant dominant, but you're still getting some protein. You can add some hemp seeds, some chia seeds, some flax, a blender bomb, whenever you want to add it in. But those are three that I would non-negotiably have if you are tight on time or if you have a bunch of roommates and you don't have a lot of space in your fridge to prep. That's what I would do. Or if you are trying to eat a little healthier, but you just want a couple things to healthy add in to your meals, but you still want to eat everything that your family's eating throughout the week, that's definitely what I would do. And we have two more questions. This one I won't get into too much because I feel like everybody is so different and I have a way that works for me, but it might not work for you. And I think that the whole point of this next question is just about confidence and owning what you know feels good for your body. So the next question is, how do I eat healthy while I'm around other people that aren't eating healthy? And I thought this was great. And there are a lot of different variations to this. Like, how do I eat healthy while I'm traveling with people who aren't? Or like my 
my significant other's family doesn't eat healthy XYZ. So what I have to say to that is be prepared. Um, if you're traveling, you don't want to be that person who like changes all the plans just for yourself if it doesn't really work. Um, I would always look ahead at menus at the restaurant so that you're not panicky and you're not just like crossing your arms, being bitchy at the table, thinking like, there's nothing I can eat here. Well, have you asked for something without cheese or have you asked, you know, like there are things you can do, ask questions. So a lot of this things, a lot of this has to do with being confident in asking for what you need. And if people are saying, hey, why, why are you eating like that? Are you on a diet? Just say, I feel better. I, my body feels good when I eat this way. And it's so good. Do you want to try it? Like, I always just recommend, like, do you want to try it? It's really good. It's not just rabbit food. And so that's one thing that I would say. It's like, be prepared if you're going over a friend's house or if you're going over a significant other's house for a holiday or whatever. And you know that maybe they don't have a lot of plant dominant options or maybe they won't have like a veggie or some fruit then or or you're gluten free and you need that. Bring something. Bring some gluten free cookies. Bring some uh, dairy-free dish, bring, you know, you can go to Whole Foods, you can go to a lot of different places and get a prepped veggie dish. You can bring a veggie tray so that you have something to snack on. And then you can, I just find something green, something simple, a fruit salad, make sure there's something that you will eat. I remember for this Easter, I went over to my boyfriend's family's house and they had it was so sweet and it was such a great setup and they had a bunch of fruit and they had a a couple things that had eggs in it. I don't often do eggs, but I did that day just because it was easier. It was a fun environment and I was happy to do it. And it was Easter. I was like, okay, let's just have what they're having. It makes it easy. But I did bring a big mixed quinoa Greek salad. And then I brought some like buffalo cauliflower bites that were gluten-free. So I brought a couple things that I thought would be easy to share if other people wanted to try it. It's not like I came there with a lunchbox just for my own thing. So I brought some other things and then I brought a fruit salad thinking, okay, like if push comes to shove and they don't have anything that doesn't have bacon on it, then I'll just have this. And it was great. It worked out perfectly. And a couple of people even ate the cauliflower. Super happy about that. And a lot of times people want to eat healthy. It's just that they assume, oh, well, it's this holiday or it's this event or whatever. You know, we don't have to make anything healthy, but people do crave healthy things. I think we have to give people more credit than that and say, listen, when left up to our own devices, people will eat healthy foods, even if it's not 150% of the time or even 80% of the time. It's if they have an abundance of healthy foods in front of them and then a couple you know, 20%, a couple things that maybe aren't 100% health promoting, they're going to choose a mixture, you know? So I think that, I mean, typically they will, not everyone will, but that's one thing that I didn't want to spend too much time discussing. But if y'all have more questions on that, or if you want me to do a whole podcast episodes on different scenarios, then please let me know. Happy to talk about plant dominance anytime. And if you're just now tuning into the podcast, plant dominance just means dominantly plant, like 80-20. But I like to say plant dominant because even my 20%, I try and keep to be plants or local or organic. I'm sorry. What? Absolutely not. That was right in the middle of my sentence. I can't edit that. And so the next question is also going to be pretty short, but I wanted to make sure because this is huge. How to fix my gut after I have been on antibiotics. 
And I thought this was a great question because a lot of people just think, oh, probiotics, which is true. So basically when you take antibiotics, it basic, it, could I say basically some more? Just fucking wondering. Please don't bark. I know what you do when you're about to bark. Your ears get weird and you start to sigh. After antibiotics, typically people are taking antibiotics anywhere from one to two times per year. And I know that this is a more health conscious crowd who listens to the podcast or is at least interested in being more health conscious. So I do want everyone to know that there are really intense risks with taking antibiotics, at least too much. Sometimes, you know, I understand that when push comes to shove, like if you have to, then you have to. But at the end of the day, I think that there are so many times when we are completely over prescribed antibiotics and that's not what we want. So again, do your homework, do your due diligence and be preventative. We don't want to just start to figure out our health when we're figuring it out in a crisis, right? So anytime you're taking antibiotics, a lot of people say, yeah, I'm taking a probiotic as well. Well, I... I tend to disagree with this, and this is just my personal opinion. I think that it takes so much for a probiotic to survive acidity and survive the journey from our mouth, like all the way to our gut. So I definitely think that if you're going to be on an antibiotic, then just wait until after you get off of the antibiotic to take a probiotic. What you what is happening is it's killing all of the bacteria, basically antibiotic. So anti life, anti bio means life. So you, it's getting rid of all life, even good life. It's not just like it's killing the bad bacteria. So we want to make sure that we are replenishing that bacteria after we are through with the antibiotic. So once you're done with your antibiotic, you want to find maybe a spore-based probiotic and um, start to take that basically like 10 hours after your last antibiotic pill. I would even say before, but I'm not a doctor, so like don't come at me, please. Yeah, definitely a probiotic afterwards to start to rebuild that gut gut flora, but you don't want to be reliant upon that probiotic, especially because people have different guts and the survival rate of some of the good bacteria that's in the probiotic might not make it all the way. So what I would definitely say is having a lot of a variety of different fibers. So that'll come from things like um, starches, like beans, greens, fruits, different veggies, seeds, nuts, flax seeds, like having an abundant abundance of different types of fiber in your diet is going to be huge to replenish because not only do we need to have veggies every day, but we need to have different kinds of veggies every day. So if you're kind of a picky veggie eater, then this is the time to say, okay, maybe I'll buy some like cauliflower rice and add that in. Maybe I'll buy some riced broccoli because maybe it's just the texture and you can add it into a pasta sauce. There are definitely a lot of different ways uh, that would be a good time to make a fresh tomato sauce with some lentils as well as maybe some garlic and onion and yeah, some lentils would be really good. So that's my, and also sleep, having some fermented foods, um, are also really going to be helpful tactics. So some fermented foods, maybe if you're doing like a coconut kefir yogurt, I know they sell it at Eucalyptus in Charleston, but I don't know really about anywhere else. I know that they have it whole foods in different places. So you can look up a coconut kefir. You can also do things like sauerkraut. You can do things like kimchi. You can do a bunch of different types of probiotic and prebiotic foods like onions and, and things like that. Uh, sleep is also going to be huge because we want to give our body enough rest to not be inflamed To because when we get inflamed uh, coming from stress, which comes from lack of sleep and exhaustion, then we know that we are also, we're taking away some of the beneficial gut bacteria um, and we're not allowing it to fully thrive. So we don't want to set ourselves up for that type of 
that type of predicament, you know. If you guys have gleaned any inspiration or helpfulness from this episode, please go on to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way down, find Hotter Than Health, and leave us a review. I can't tell you how helpful it is. Even just one or two reviews per week, and if you haven't done it already, just know that I am so unbelievably grateful. Jack is as well, and he's shaking his ass right now, and that's why he's tap dancing. Shake your ass. And yeah, we are just very grateful for any reviews and support. If you're listening to this, still take a screenshot of the podcast, post it on your social. I will send you many thanks and emojis, like a wet emoji, a kiss emoji, a banana, an eggplant, a taco, peach, whatever, whatever floats your boat. And just know that I truly appreciate you listening um, and all of your support means the world. So we will talk to you on Thursday. We have got a great episode coming up in a couple of days for you. Looking forward to it. You guys have a great rest of your day.